This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. if you're joining us on the live stream, I just want to welcome you. And I want to tell you, because I've watched this myself several times, there are people here, okay? Are there any people here? Hey! So, please, it's not just me standing in front of you. We are a gathering of God's people, and we welcome you to join us on air this morning. And I'd like to read from 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 12. One of the most significant passages I have found all through my 22 years of illness um, and indeed through my Christian life 2 Corinthians 12 my favourite New Testament book and this is a great chapter in it and I'm going to read the first 10 verses I'm reading from the New Living Translation Paul's vision and his thorn in the flesh I wonder if someone could bring my bottle of water down, please, because otherwise I'm going to get all dried out down here. And <laughs> Thank you. Great. Thanks very much. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Now, in your Bible, it might say, I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. But I believe, and the the translators here in the New Living believe, that it's Paul giving his own testimony. So, here we go, verse 2. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Now that experience is worth boasting about. But I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. You don't hear many preachers doing that, folks. You don't. But that is Paul's decision. I'm not going to boast about spiritual experiences. If I'm going to boast about anything, he says at the beginning of the letter, I'm going to boast about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And here about my weaknesses. Verse 6. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so. Because I'd be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So, to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three times, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time, he said, my grace is all you need. Other translations, my grace is sufficient for you. In others, my grace is enough for you. Oh, is it following me? Ah, there we are. 
What's that version? That's the NIV. Okay, so different translations, but what it says is, God's grace is enough. Um, So, back now to that verse. So now, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul doesn't say, for when I am better... I will be strong. (laughs) And he doesn't say, when I am weak, then he is strong. No. He says, when I am weak, I am strong. One of the versions, the amplified version, says, for when I am weak, in my human body, my human nature, I am strong, truly, in his divine power. And that's the mystery I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about being weak as a human being and becoming strong in the power of Christ. And I want to do so because I believe that God would have you to hang on in your situation for a better day is coming. Amen? And there are all kinds of things I know in this church. There are all sorts. Every gathering of people, it's the same. Here there is tiredness, there is depression, there is anxiety, there are financial worries, there are rebellious children. You know how God knows what it's like to have rebellious children? His son was called Adam, you know, and placed in a garden, made a right mess of it. So God knows what it's like to have rebellious kids. And then there's pain. The pain of pancreatitis is said to be the worst pain known to man. It's the pain of a heart attack, they say, but it just doesn't stop. And I had to have such terrible treatments. I was over a hundred times admitted to hospital, sometimes for weeks on end, long periods in intensive care. Just, just the year before last, I was up at the PEH right by the nurse's station for two or three weeks because they didn't think I'd make it. And they, they were pumping in antibiotics into my veins, um, fentanyl um, and ketamine. It's a horse tranquilizer. And I was on it for a fortnight. And so pain, there's pain here this morning, there's chronic pain. We're not going to gloss over that and pretend it's not the case. There's chronic pain in some of our lives. And then there's personal failure. There's disappointment. That that, that word disappointment was one God gave me before I came here. And and he said, I really feel there are people who are deeply disappointed in in the church for various reasons and I can't explain that but disappointment is real I'm going to speak a a bit more about that in a moment but there will be other issues there is diabetes, there will be eye problems there are hip problems and back problems and we're human when I am weak (laughs) and then there are some of you being opposed by your family because you're a Christian when I became a Christian in my mid-teens my Parents couldn't understand it. My mum, I was at the college in the sixth form at Elizabeth College and my mum went to see the principal and she complained that I'd got religious. And he said to her, I can assure you, Mrs. Gadiel, 
I don't know where your son got that from, but he did not get it from here. (laughs) My father said to me on one terrible occasion, he said, you can get out and take your God with you. And there are some of you facing issues like that. Maybe it's your wife, your husband, your children, maybe it's your parents, but... Paul knew that, didn't he? If we read the list of his sufferings. But I want you also to see from the readings that we had this morning that he had remarkable experiences of God, miraculous experiences from God. In the first part of the reading, it says that he had such amazing spiritual encounters, he was caught up into paradise and saw what's going on in heaven. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Some years ago, mid-90s, when I was a senior pastor at Cardiff City Temple, I went to Toronto because I heard things were happening there. And I went secretly for fear of the Jews. (laughs) Actually, I went secretly for fear of the elders. (laughs) Because they didn't quite understand all that was going on, etc. We were hearing all sorts of things. And that's in Wales, by the way, where the Welsh Revival happened in 1904. All kinds of manifestations of the Spirit happened then. But never mind, things move on. And uh, so I went secretly. My goodness, I met with God, I tell you. I met with God. The heavens were open to me. I'd never known. Since being baptised in the Holy Spirit in the old Delancey Chapel in 1968, I had not had such an experience of God. I was absolutely poleaxed and, and came back from Toronto filled with the Spirit. And I stood before the church on the Sunday morning and, and I just shared a little bit of, of the Word of God at the table. It was a communion table. I wasn't preaching. I was leading communion. And a dozen people found Christ that morning. And, and then people were being prayed for and falling down and being laid on the stairs and, and around the place. If the St. John's had come, they'd have thought we'd had a major incident. But what was happening was I was encountering God. And then I went through 22 years of appalling suffering. That's a mystery, don't you think? And it was for Paul. He says, I've had all these amazing experiences. And then if you look at verse 12 of uh, 2 Corinthians 12, he says, when I was with you, I gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. So Paul actually not only had great spiritual experiences, but he was able to impart these to others. We had Canon Andrew White visit us three or four weeks ago. Marvellous man, the vicar of Baghdad. Wonderful fellow. Really brave, courageous, gone into all sorts of situations, sharing his faith with Yasser Arafat and um, the, the, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and people around the world. And he, um, he had the most amazing... If, I've just read his book, My Journey Thus Far. It's a tremendous book. And full of stories of God's amazing interventions in him and through him. People have been raised out of wheelchairs. Some have been raised from the dead under his ministry. And there he is, suffering at MS, in a wheelchair, really struck down, but still doing the work of God. <laughs> I think that's wonderful, really. I mean, I know it's the devil's work. Paul says it's a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. But I tell you, God is being glorified in that man. And he was honest with us at the coaches. He said, uh, somebody in Bristol was prayed for and they got up out of their wheelchair and ran. Why not me? He said. What mystery, huh? But when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you feel weak this morning? You are strong. (laughs) You don't know it, but you are. 
Because God's on your side. The Holy Spirit is within you. And I'll say more again about that in a moment. So, this Canon White was a great encouragement to us. I want to say just three simple things that I draw from Paul's experience in 2 Corinthians 12 that have helped me and do help me this morning understand something of the mystery. But I have embraced mystery. As a Pentecostal leader, I've decided that I don't know it all and uh, we can't know it all and we will not know until eternity and we look back and we see the other side of the tapestry. You know what it's like, eh? The Bayou Tapestry or whatever it might be. You look at the wrong side of it and it's just a mess of, of threads. But when you get the other side, you can see the story. And our lives, they're like a mess of tangled threads sometimes, but there's coming a day when we'll be the other side and we'll look back with Jesus beside us and we'll look at the story on the tapestry on the right side and we will begin to understand. But for now, in the messy strings bit, we choose to embrace mystery. We choose to live with it. We choose to trust God in the midst of it because there is no alternative. And that's what Paul was trying to teach the Corinthian believers. So three simple things. Firstly this, God is with us in our trials. He's not waiting till we're better. He is with us in our trials. The word Emmanuel, one of the names given to Jesus, prophetically before he was born, it means God is with us. And it's that presence of God that has kept us. I tell you, there is no more lonely place than the anaesthetics room before major surgery. And I honestly own up to having been very, very scared. Well, I've had 31 major times like that, and, you know, I've been very scared. And people say I had such peace. Well, God helped me, but I can honestly say I didn't have a lot of peace. And, um, but I did know that he was with me. And I used to try and picture the face of Jesus to try and see him in my imagination. They're fussing around me trying to get lines in which they never could and they stick them in all my arm places and then finally stick them in my feet. And they're hurting me, but I'm just watching Jesus' face. I'm seeing his wounds in his hands and his feet. And I know he's with me. You'll need to do that where you are now. You need to know that he's with you. This is what Andrew White says of some of his experiences, Canon Andrew White, the vicar of Baghdad, where some of the leaders of his church, 6,000 strong congregation it was, in Baghdad, just outside the green zone, Iraqi congregation, and some of his leaders and people, many of his people were killed by ISIS, horrible things, children killed for confessing that they were Christians. Um, On one occasion, his leadership, his lay leadership, went off to a conference in Syria, They went across the country in a vehicle. They were hijacked and they were all killed at the roadside. All his leaders, his elders and deacons. This man knows what it's like to be in trials and difficulties like Paul. And he says this in in his book, My Journey So Far. He says, time and again, our Lord met with me in supernatural ways. He would speak to me and impart incredible wisdom for the situations I was facing. I would be kneeling quietly in my room, just worshipping the Lord, and God would tell me what he wanted to do in Iraq, in Israel, in Palestine, or in northern Nigeria, where he was also a visiting worker. And the words from the communion service became real for me. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. That was his call. The Lord is here. 
His Spirit is with us. Today, writing this in Baghdad, I declare this truth several times a day. It is God's very presence that sustains us through the most difficult and challenging of circumstances. And he's right. The Lord is with us. His Spirit is with us. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. That's what he says to himself several times a day. Shall we say it together? The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Now we just think of those tough places, school classrooms, workplaces, home places, hospital places. And it's still true. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Let's say it again. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. That's why I can be so sure that the future of this church is good. (laughs) The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. On the live stream as you watch us, say it to yourself right now, wherever you are, the Lord is here. His Spirit is with me. God's with us in our trials. And if God is with us, then never a day is wasted. Do you remember that road to Emmaus story in Luke 24 on the day of Jesus rising from the dead? And uh, it says that he... They were walking to Emmaus and they were so disappointed. I don't know if you've ever seen a film where um, an actress is crying and and the black stuff they wear around their eyes goes down their cheeks like this. But that's how I see them walking to Emmaus. A man and a woman, most likely, that's my theory, a married couple, and they're on their way out of Jerusalem, (coughs) utterly disappointed and distraught because of what's happened to their wonderful saviour who was crucified on the Friday in front of their eyes. And there they are, they're walking along. And the Bible says, and Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. Hey, Jesus is going to a little town called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. On Easter day, hasn't he got anything better to do? Shouldn't he go to church? Shouldn't he be where the disciples are? Hmm? What's he doing walking with these two? Anyway, they've given up, they're going home. Ah, But Jesus is drawn to disappointed people like a moth to a lamp. And he's drawn to you this morning because I know there are disappointed people here. He's drawn to disappointed people like a moth to a lamp. And I've asked myself many times, why? Why was my ministry taken away from me in Cardiff when we were leading hundreds of students coming in and a great opportunity in the city centre? Why? Why did I have to let go of Shiloh after nine years there? So happy in that fellowship. Why did I have to let go of Eldad? They'd given me a computer in my spine to try and stop the pain getting to my brain. And I thought I was fixed and I had two years uh, of feeling really well and we inducted Eldad and I thought, I'm back. Why did I have to let that go? Why so much letting go? Why did you have to let your loved one go? Why do you have to keep letting your children go? All this loss. We sat yesterday, uh, Friday, visiting a dear soul who's lost so much. She's in a wheelchair now and she's lost so much of her youth and strength and mobility and hopes and she's a lovely spirit-filled Christian and she's been prayed for again and again and again. Why she lost so much? And we said to her, you are experiencing grief. You've not lost a loved one but you're grieving for what might have been. Are you grieving this morning for what might have been? 
Jesus is drawn to you like a moth to a lamp. He is with us. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. The second thing I want to say, not only is the Lord with us in our trials, but listen, it's not the end of the story. It's not. I've been given another chance. All through the 22 years of this appalling illness, we held on to a scripture, 1 Peter 5 verse 10. After you have suffered a little while, it's in the Living Bible, this translation, whatever's following me around. Um, After you have suffered a little while, God will personally come and pick you up, set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. Hallelujah. And we've held on to that when I've been weaker than ever. But when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the mystery. So, it's not the end of the story. Whatever you're facing. And we know that, of course, not just for this life, but for eternity, as Diane said. During the week, we were really blessed when we read together in Psalm 66. And uh, verses 10 to 12. It says this, For you, O God, and this is the NIV, uh, For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us, you brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You, Lord, let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to a place of abundance. Hallelujah. See, it wasn't the end of the story. Actually, that's a reference back to the um, captivity of the Jews in Egypt. They were occupied there as slaves, imprisoned as slaves. Now listen, we struggled in Guernsey with five years of German occupation. We were slaves for five years. They were slaves and they were called of God. They were slaves for 400 years. That's like they were slaves from the year 1600 to the year 2000. That's how long their enslavement went on. They were God's chosen people. They were people of faith and victory. But they were in captivity for 400 years. And then God brought them out into a place of abundance. Hallelujah! It's not the end of the story, folks. Where you are is not where you're going to (laughs) be. And it's not where you were, thank God. eh? It's not where you were. God is moving us on. This trial will pass. I love that New Testament phrase. It shall come to pass. And may it do so soon for your sake and for the glory of God. He may step in today to end this trial. I pray he will. Like Paul, signs, wonders and miracles, spiritual experiences, I believe in them all. And I've experienced them too. But... If he doesn't, he, he may just give you the strength to go on one more day. But I tell you what, you are coming out of this. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to do you good, plans to build you up and to give you a future and a hope. Amen? And that's what we're pressing towards. Romans 8 and verse 18 speaks of the eternal reward that comes after suffering. And, and we thank God that that is also true that our deliverance in eternity is sure. And um, in fact, again, Canon Andrew White often speaks on this and Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18, well done. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
for the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Amen. The glory that will be revealed. But for now, as we embrace mystery, we say, when I am weak, then God can use me. Yes, he can, because he uses broken people. God uses people who know what it is to suffer and to persevere. There's a lovely verse in Isaiah 28, 28, and in, in the authorised version it says, bread corn is broken. If you're going to make bread, you've got to break corn. You've got to grind maize or corn. And for people to be able to be made bread to feed others, they've got to be broken. Jesus said, unless a, a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains unfruitful, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. Your life will bring forth much fruit. Your experiences will feed others spiritually. But first, we've got to be broken. It's not the end of the story. And finally, and finally, preachers say that so many times, but this is it. Not only is God with us in our trials, not only is it not the end of the story, But God's strength is always made perfect. Weakness. It's a spiritual principle. This is one of the principles of the kingdom of heaven. That God uses broken people. And that's why Paul was able to say, I'm not going to boast about my theological education. I'm not going to boast about the miracles that have been done by my hands. I'm not going to boast about uh, the spiritual experiences I had when when I went here or there. But I tell you what, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses because they prove that God is strong and they show the love of Jesus Christ to me who gave himself on the cross that I might be set free from sin that's the important thing that our sins should be forgiven that we should be made right with God that through Jesus Christ we should be able to say I let go of the things of the past whether weaknesses or strengths I let them go And I begin anew, following the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever he will take me, whatever he calls me to do. John and Angie are being called on. I believe into church planting in the UK, and they'll be greatly blessed there. Um, You're being called on to a new season in the church's life. And that's exciting. God is calling us, moving us on, but we have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, you're the boss. I used to have a sticker in my bedroom. It said, God's in charge, not the devil and not the doctors. And one day, my doctor GP, Peter Richards, came into the room and he looked at my sign and he said, yeah, that's that's good news. He said, (laughs) they're not in charge. The doctors are not in charge. God's in charge. If we've made Jesus Lord, he is in charge. That's why Paul was able to say, Lord, you gave me a messenger of Satan. that's for another day (laughs) that's for another time and another study God's in charge not the devil nor the doctors and we can say with Paul when I am weak then I am strong shall we bow our heads in prayer maybe the worship team would just come back preparing to lead us in our closing songs but I want to say particularly because I felt God say this to me before I came I want to pray a prayer especially for disappointment. I want you to picture those two disciples on the way to Emmaus and the mascara is running down her face and he's trying to comfort her but he doesn't know what to say. They're so disappointed. We had hoped 
that this man was going to deliver Israel, but now Jesus drew near and he ministered and he revealed to them not a church situation that would help them, but he revealed more of himself to them. He said, he said, opening up the scriptures, he revealed everything about himself in the Old Testament and their hearts burned within them. And I just feel this, this real disappointment here this morning. Ah, oh, I had hoped. And I want you to know that God is drawn to you. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with you. I want you to receive hope like a gift from heaven. I want you to receive the strength to persevere as a real enabling of the Spirit. And I want you to receive that by faith now. I'm going to lead a prayer for those of you who feel keenly a sense of disappointment. And if you want to, you can pray it after me in the quietness of your own heart, maybe just a phrase at a time. But if today you're gripped by a sense of loss and disappointment, I want you to pray this prayer with me if you feel it's right that God may minister to you in your moment of need. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for going with those disciples to Emmaus. Thank you for being with Paul through all his sufferings. And thank you, Lord, that you are here. Your spirit is with me. I offer my life to you today again for you to have your own way. Reign over me as Lord. Put me wherever you want me. Show me whatever you would have me be or do. But Lord, I choose today to trust you where I cannot understand you. And I thank you that when I am weak, then I am strong in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you as you take that away with you this morning. And if you need to, speak with the elders, speak with Nicole. When John comes back, have a chat with him. But be encouraged. God is with us. The Lord is here and his spirit is with us. Amen. God bless you all.
Father God, we just thank you so much for bringing your word alive to us today. Lord, I thank you that you are with us. And I thank you, Lord God, that it's not the end of the story. And thank you that your strength is made perfect in weakness, Lord. And we just take that with us today, Lord. We just thank you for your word into our lives. Father God, I just thank you so much for Eric and Diane, Lord. I thank you for the amazing couple that they are. Um, and that their lives just tell a story of you, Lord. And uh, we thank you for that inspiration. And we pray a special blessing anointing upon them, Lord. Thank you for what you've done in their lives, the way that you've moved through them. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.